welcome into Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager here at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. And I've got all my line mates with me this evening for another riveting discussion about a wildly exciting Chicago Blackhawks team. Up first, you can find on Twitter at Shepard Price. It's the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. What's up? Uh, the Blackhawks are a bad team. They played bad against the Belly Kings, and their games recently have been very hard to watch. So, good night, everybody. I, <laughs> I can't. I can't think of anything clever because because they're not thinking of anything clever to do on the ice. So. Yeah, like I. I they're a bad team, and I, I think we've all accepted that. But like the the fact that they're they look so bad against the Kraken and the Coyotes, who are, like you would expect them to at least be like somewhere in the realm of equal when they face those two teams. But yeah, and now they're on an eight game losing streak, and it's hard to say they don't deserve that eight game losing streak. No, yeah, because they they play like garbage every night. Um, I mean, how, how's Vegas looking? Any any hopes over there? Uh, it would have been nice if, if, if the Blackhawks had ended their losing streak against the Kings. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did see that they, uh, they, they were able to steal a loser point against Vancouver the other night. That probably helped them out. So, uh, <laughs> cause my boy went off in the third period and that's literally <laughs> the only reason why. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, I hope, hope you enjoyed it. Play, playoff, cha- uh, playoff chases sound fun and maybe one day we'll get to talk about them again. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Also with us this evening, and he is the Second City Hockey with Josh Long is the Lightweights. You can find him on Twitter at Mill182. It's Mill Savage. I'm in full baseball mode. And, and I don't really even have a team to root for, so that tells you a lot. <laughs> like, I, I would love to be in full baseball mode, but Mill, you are not too far away from me uh, location-wise. Where Oh, it's, it looks like it stopped, but it was raining sideways for a while, and it's supposed to get down in the 40s this weekend. I can't really get into full baseball mode until... I get like some greenery outside other than grass, like all the trees are still dead. So I got, I got nothing. I got nothing for you. Baseball wise. Yeah. I, I believe it's uh, the storm is called hurricane Javi. <laughs> no, no, the white Sox already blew through that. Fortunately, uh, he only kind of ruined one game for him, but yeah. He's been uh, playing pretty good uh, against man, Boston too. I like, I think objectively as someone who, if you're just a fan of baseball, watching Javi Baez is something you should do. He's, he's a very fun, exciting player. And uh, to hell with the Ricketts family for not paying to keep him in Chicago. Cause I certainly don't want him in Detroit lighting up the White Sox. I was going to say like, that's kind of like the, the worst place for him to go. If you're a Sox fan, um, yeah. not that Detroit's that good. Also, uh, yeah, he could have gone to Minnesota and that would have been that, worse. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. true. Say Suzuki is like the only good player the Cubs have now. Apparently like that guy is just like, Oh, I'm just going to hit home runs and everybody else stinks. Yeah. So yeah, baseball's just as bad as, uh, as hockey. So I guess I'm just out of sports takes. Yeah. Well, the, the nice thing about baseball is there's, a game every night and it's usually associated with warm weather. And even if the team sucks, you go, you're basically sitting at an outdoor bar for three hours. So, and then uh, there, and then there's the, the next uh, part of our panel you're going to bring in who doesn't like baseball yet has the winning team. <laughs> <laughs> How's yes. that? Yes. Let, let, let's, let's bring her in properly then uh, because she is second city hockey's bull and wall of text. She's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. It's Betsy. Maybe you guys just need to not be invested and a championship would come to you. I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't, I, I lived, by, like, the only reason I even was kind of following the Braves is because my mom's obsessed with sports in general, except hockey. Um, oh, so, a- yeah, because my dad was the hockey person. And, um, I mean, you guys could come down. The weather down here is perfect for baseball weather. It's also, like, three inches of pollen everywhere, but, you know. I have allergies. I'm good. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have a little uh, SCH road trip down to down to Georgia. Some uh, some girl I'm friends with on social media shared the meme where it's like boys will be 11 years old and pick their favorite sports team and be pissed about it their whole lives. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this was just targeted at me. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> I, I I think a lot of people went through this last fall with all the the things going on with the Blackhawks this season. Um, and and I I'm fully aware of uh. I, like this is just where I'm gonna be, not, and not just the Blackhawks, but every Chicago, all the Chicago teams, except for the Cubs. And I'm more indifferent. I don't really hate the yeah, Cubs. You, you got to look at it from my perspective. Who was Cubs, Blackhawks, and Chelsea? And now it's like the Ricketts ruined the Cubs for me and want to buy <laughs> Chelsea. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Yeah, like uh, even like anytime like there's like other leagues that start up, I look for the Chicago team. I think that's why I've had I've struggled to really get into any of like the women's professional hockey leagues, is because none of them are in Chicago yet. If they come to Chicago, which is wild, yeah. Well, isn't that I, wild that 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 that's happening? Like, well, I I think they're more of a uh, like that's more of a New England thing because hockey's bigger in the New England area than it is out here. And I mean, like, I mean, uh, you say that, but the Blackhawks are a better mar- or, or, or the best biggest market in America. See, it's not Minnesota or Boston. I don't know if I see, I still don't know if Chicago is necessarily a hockey market. I think the, it's certainly a Blackhawks market. It's like, a money maker. <clears throat> But they don't put it on at bars if there's a random game that's not the Hawks. Exactly. Like, if, if the Hawks are on and the Hawks are good, people are talking about the Blackhawks. They're not necessarily talking about hockey. And I don't think uh, it's bled down to the thing where, like, people are just interested in the sport instead of just the team. That might change in the next 10 years. You might have, uh, you know, the generation that grew up with the, the Hawks of the 2010s that grew up being fans of hockey who might transition into liking the sport overall, not just the team. Like, I think that happened with Jordan, the, with the bulls in basketball because of Jordan. So, yeah. so there's that, but what, yeah, what were we even talking about before all that? I don't know. We, we took just a, a as I, we I, usually do a hard turn. I, I turned this into the, the best food baseball podcast. <laughs> oh, the the best hockey or best food themed hockey and baseball podcast on the internet. We're just going to keep adding on uh description to the show. On, which Shay and everything. I, which Shay and I occasionally turn into the best wrestling <laughs> podcast. Hey, love well, and Dave. Dave now too. Yeah. Dave Housen. Yeah, exactly. You got, you guys have ruined me. Um, so, uh, I, I guess, Betsy. I guess yeah. <laughs> Betsy's here just to tell us all we're idiots. Um, with our various interests outside of the Blackhawks, although maybe we're it, it, it's with our interest in the Blackhawks as well, uh, with mm. the way things have gone this season. So while we're on that topic, um, we're not even going to talk about the on ice product for a little bit. Thank God, uh, because we have something else we want to get into. Um, and that is Thursday night. Pat Foley's going to call his last game, uh, as the Blackhawks play by play voice. He's been there for four decades now. Uh, uh, except for like a really weird two year stint where Dan Kelly did games. Like I think for the overwhelming majority of people who watch the Blackhawks, Pat Voley is the only voice they've ever known for television broadcasts. So it is a, just start like there. Like it's, it'll be so weird 
it was already so weird hearing other people call games during this season. And now next season when it will be Chris Boster's full time. Um, it's just going to be weird. I can think is, is the best word I have for it initially, just because Pat Foley has been so synonymous with the Blackhawks. So I'm going to swing this around to mill first because uh, I know he's got some thoughts related to this topic. So mill, I'm just going to let you go first and we'll pile on from there. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm doing the pre and post game on Thursday, and it, with the state of the team, it's hard to even focus on the game itself. You know, um, for someone like uh, me who has a bias of growing up in the Midwest and only hearing Pat Foley call games, the two years that he didn't call them, I mean, they were still only playing the road games on TV. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of that weird, you know, that weird Wurtz era. Um, but uh yeah pat's been the voice the constant through the good and the bad you've heard him call so many different uh games different players coaches and it's like you know i could think of different points in my life through growing up being an adult and it's like it's always been coming home and listening to pat Foley call the hawks so it's uh it's hard to say goodbye but uh, a well well deserved retirement i hope he enjoys it uh he's 67 years old i mean uh but yeah, I mean, Pat, you know, there's always going to be a soft spot in my heart for Pat Foley. Uh, Betsy or Shay, did either one of you want to chime in with uh, anything else related on uh, the Pat Foley conversation? Yeah, I mean, he's the he's the, he is the like he's the voice of the three cups. He's the, he's one of the guys you saw on the podium, like who was one of the public facing people he, in that. He, he like emceed one of our multiple rounds, ra- maybe all of them. I don't. Yeah, I know he was there for a few of them at least. Yeah, like he, for a lot of people, he is the voice of Chicago sports. Like, uh, if you're if you're not a Cubs person and like paid attention to Harry Carey once, like he became the more famous part of his career because he was a White Sox scholar. But uh, yeah, he, like he's way more Chicago sports to me than like Hawk Harrelson because I I wasn't into the White Sox and also we can talk about Hawk Harrelson at later date. Um, <laughs> no, let's like, not. Let's not. Pat Pat Foley, like that that guy was like. He he said like the the like here's how you out here's how you have to call Chicago sports that like I think only Benetti has met so far. Right. Yeah. Uh J- Jason Benetti, I feel like we could have this conversation in four decades about him because Oh, for sure. As yeah. long as he doesn't leave us for like a, a full-time ESPN gig, which would suck because he's he's so so fun and so great. Well, actually, and kind of related to that, I feel like Steve Stone's in that category as well. But I but, think though, but the difference is Pat Foley is one of us. He didn't play he went to school for broadcasting. He's from the area. You know what I mean? I want I want to come back to that point for a second, but I'm going to swing it around to Betsy first to get her thoughts on uh, on this. Well, I mean, you're just saying that like how for some people he's the only voice and because of our ages, I think that's very true, you know? Um yeah. and I just I it's going to be bittersweet because I have such good memories with like my dad watching um, and my dad's gone now. So it's kind of uh, like he used to, my dad used to talk about some of the calls that like he would repeat the calls after Pat Foley. And it was always re- really funny. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the new guy d- does um, like give him, I hope he gets like plenty of opportunity and people don't like drag on him. Um yeah. But it it sometimes feels like some of these like he's like an icon, and it's almost like how can you replace that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, maybe he'll get to do some guest spots like <laughs> in the future or something, you know, like for some big ones. Like that'd be cool. Yeah i i don't I don't know if he gets like a an ambassador role, and maybe he shows up for like 
you know, maybe what they do, uh, the host of Jersey retirement night, they let Foley host it down the ice and things like that. Like, I don't, I don't know how much he'll, he wants to be around after he retires, or maybe he just wants to go golfing every day for the rest of his life. Um, but I, don't, I also hope they give him a good send off. Yeah. I, yeah. That's what I like tomorrow night's the, or well, probably tonight's game as you're listening to this, but anyway, Thursday night's broadcast, like, I hope that there's like, who cares about the game? It doesn't matter. Like it should entirely be all about Pat Foley, the pregame, the postgame, the intermission shows, everything should be about Pat Foley. Cause God knows the on ice product isn't really much worth uh, getting into. And, and I will say for uh kind of related to that, that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm very, I really like the the Sunday night broadcast with Pat Foley and Dale Talon again. I thought that was kind of a cool throwback to, uh, a good throwback for all the fans that have been around and remember those days as well. Um, Uncle Dale. And we, and Pat Foley got to throw himself into the Dale Talon built the 2010s Blackhawks dynasty argument, which is not wrong at yeah. all. But um, the, the thing I really wanted to come back to that was, was uh, Mill's point about Pat Foley, like being one of us. And I think that's the thing that's why Pat Foley is so beloved by all of the, Blackhawks fans that have been around for so long because you can hear the disdain in his voice when the team is playing like garbage. And if you needed any evidence of that, go find Tuesday night. I tweeted it from the main second city hockey account when Foley said we're halfway through the game. They have 11 shots on goal and the Fords have four of them. Does anybody want to play? Like, I felt like that's exactly what I was thinking to myself at home watching on television and he said it on the air to everybody that was watching the game. And if that is not indicative of Pat of why Pat Foley is so beloved, I don't know what better example there is for it than that. And I think there's like a level of professionalism that he brings to it. Like not to make a comparison, but he's not like the Hawk Harrelson, like openly hey, being hey, a fan. I'm not hey. hating on Hawk. <laughs> I know. But, wait, but I'm, Hawk, I'm the reason a lot of White Sox fans loved him was because it sounded like how their dad or their uncle would react to a play. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, Hawk, Hawk was like that. And that's fine. I feel like Pat Foley does his due diligence as far as being neutral when he needs to be. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you can hear the excitement in his voice when someone scores a huge goal or when, you know, Crawford, Bannerman, you know, whatever the goalie calls. But then also, like you said, like he'll drill you if you're not mm-hmm. doing it. It's not like a, a, we're going to shit on the other team. He's like, no, like this is the team I'm for and I'm going to give it to them because they deserve it. And, and you kind of love it because that's how we are. It's like it's like he's a professional fan, I guess. It's, it's like he can take his emotional thoughts, but convey them in a manner that sounds professional to where he's, you know, he's fulfilling his job, but he's also like fulfilling his hockey soul by being by letting the fan in him come out. Like, I don't think you'd ever hear him say that he hates Detroit, but you know he does. <laughs> but he just won't say it. Yeah. Well, I just, like, I, I probably mentioned it here uh, before, and it's come up a lot during this season. But when the Hawks are in a game where they're not playing particularly well, and he and they skated to neutral zone and dumped the puck in, and he goes, will there be a retrieval? And then he waits, like, two or three seconds. And then when the other team takes over, he goes, nope. And the way he says nope, is just the same level of like frustration and everything that again, everyone at home is probably feeling as well. And the announcers embodying that. So, Oh yeah. Or if the penalty kill can finally clear the puck and he's just like, Hey, (laughs) like kind of just like backhanded. Yeah. I, uh, 
I don't know. Uh, th- Thursday night's broadcast. I hope they, they give, uh, as, as one of you, I think Bezzy said, like, I hope they give him his due diligence because uh, it feels like the Hawks are trying to like embark in an entirely new direction with the organization. And I understand that. And I think there, there's belief among some people that they're kind of forcing Foley out the door. Every public facing thing that Foley has said seems to contradict that, that he, he was ready to go as well. Um, but Would you I want to call this team. Yeah, exactly. And honest to God, I wonder <clears> if that's part of it. I would love somebody to, if maybe he won't do it now because I get, uh, it would be a bad look. Maybe he thinks, but I would love somebody to ask him in a year or two. Like if this team didn't suck, would you be quitting? Um, I do have to say, I'm really happy at San Jose so we can hear sharks a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but the point is like, if, if they're going to, like if you're going to let this or have this guy move on and give him the proper uh, respect that he deserves for everything he means to uh, like, like we saw the outpouring of everything with Marion Hoso when he came back to the team last week uh, for his reti- one day retirement thing. Uh, I feel like Pat Foley has probably even more of a soft spot in the hearts of Blackhawks fans because of how long he's been around. So you know, with everything they did for Hosa, like you probably have to multiply that by leaps and bounds to get to uh, what Foley has meant to so many people. So, uh, and this all uh, this whole thing has brought me a question. And we were actually talking about this before we came on the air. We we're talking about technology and how that's evolved in life. Like growing up, I listened to you know whenever the Hawks are playing on the West Coast. Uh, if and it, the games would go on past my bedtime, like I had a little AMFM radio that I would put in my bed and I would listen to Pat Foley call the game either until I fell asleep or until the game ended. Do kids do that now, but like have full on tablets and are watching the game and listening in their uh, in their rooms before they go to bed at night when they're also uh, playing on the West Coast? Nobody here has children, but maybe you have nephews or nieces <laughs> or whatever that do this. Shit, I've done it. I watched a Hawks game at a wedding once on my phone. <laughs> This is 2013 Detroit series. What was I supposed to do? My nephews aren't into hockey, unfortunately. Well, okay. Well, just like pick your favorite sport then, or baseball, or uh, yes, I baseball. I, I assume that's a thing that kids do now. Like it's it's the same effect. It's just modernized for technology. Anyway, that that was a weird thing that came across my mind the other day. Well, I used to even watch the old VHS like stuff they would put out. And Pat Foley would be all over him, like the story of the 92 Hawks or whatever. You know what I there mean? There is a video. Are you familiar with the Pat Foley video game? Or there there was like a, a hockey version of like it was the hockey equivalent of NBA Jam. It was just, I think, just two on two hockey from like the early 90s. And Pat Foley is the announcer in the game. Well, I have a Sega Genesis, so I'm going to go find it. I don't it on think eBay. it's that. Is, I don't even know if it was a console game. I think it was merely an arcade game. And there's I'll a, still pay for it. The, the Galloping Ghost Arcade in, it's in like Brookfield, I think. It's there. I played it pre COVID the last time I was there. So it, it would look really nice in the bottom lounge next to the Bobby Orr Blackhawks pinball machine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Pat Foley's retiring, and that just. Uh, we're all old hall of famer hall, hall of famer. No doubt. Um, and then just, I guess, slowly transitioning our way back to on ice stuff. Oh, and, is he already in the hall of fame? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Sure, like, that's what I'm saying. like, it's just, you don't talk about announcers in that regard. So I like to remind everybody like, Hey, this dude is, 
like I saw someone on Twitter do a Photoshop where they like retired a microphone for Foley. And I'm like, I mean, I, I feel like I've seen that at other stadiums where they've like his name might go a, up. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like if there's like the Blackhawks have like a ring of honor thing or something, but like if I feel like Pat Foley's name well, deserves to be displayed prominently in that building somewhere. They have Phil Jackson hanging up on the other side. Don't yeah. They? And it, it just says coach, I believe. Right. Yeah, it says coach. It says Phil Jackson with the Bulls logo, and then it yeah. says eighty nine or whatever to ninety eight, like whatever. Yeah, he there coached. you go. All right. Well, yeah. Put put Foley's name up there, and just just do nineteen eighty to twenty twenty two. No one gives a shit about the two year gap in the middle. There should also be a uh, Jeremy Colleton, like you all survived. Like <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Re- retire our number because we survived the Jeremy Colleton era. S C H for a while. Say S C H. Do the Minnesota Wild thing with the fans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the Wild, like, what is it? Uh, number number uh, one. one? <laughs> yeah. So stupid. That's like the, the, the Seahawks have the 12th, 12th man retired, 12th fan or whatever. Which at least is unique. Number one for your fans is like every single team should take their fans by number one. That's so cheesy. I Well, uh, it, uh, we we made banner jokes and we haven't even talked about the National Predator. National. <laughs> National. We beat the Hawks in the first round. Well, uh, did you see the people getting like, uh, the Kings tweeted something with the bean replaced? Oh, with their shiny yeah. Helmet. People were like, congratulations. Because they beat, beat the Blackhawks. This, this iteration of the Blackhawks. And it was, and if, uh, <laughs> again, as I don't know if, how many of you remember this because you're not really into the bears, which is a good choice on your part, but the Arizona Cardinals beat the bears and then tweeted some weird thing that was oddly phallically shaped and kind of looked like it was the bean with a Cardinal on top. Yeah. They're losing. They're winning. Yeah. Streak this. Hey, and then they lost five of their next six, including a playoff game. So, so that's, that's really a, a great idea by the King social media staff. And I'm sure they're going to go really deep in the postseason this year. Oh, please let them be cursed now. Please let them drop all five in their next five games. Yeah, That'd be I was great. Say, they're not they're not that far ahead of um, No, they're only three points ahead of us and we have a game in hand. Yeah, exactly. So they should be careful. And they use those <laughs> stupid fucking chrome helmets that look so stupid. Like I just So does Vegas though. They started that shit. Yeah. Yeah. But the, just because if you I feel like it's worse to copy a bad idea. So Well the Vegas ones are gold, so I understand the idea because that's their color and that's pretty cool to own it. But like it just the chrome doesn't look good. Like just make it like a matte kind of, you know. I mean, right. there's nothing I like I like the experimentation with helmet colors. I just don't yeah, well, they need to be executed better. It's yeah. Well, it, the thing is like cut your losses and admit it's not good and move on to your next idea. Like you tried, we'll patch on the back for trying the matted helmets that are like all over college football right now. I feel like some of those should make their way into the NHL. Cause I think those look really cool. They, but they look my, really nice in that's, baseball. That's my, yeah. Baseball does it too. Do the like, socks have them. I think so. I'll they tell you what, th- if, uh, if it ever stops raining and I go to this game yeah. tonight, I'll what helmet them. is this? They're like a mat. It's a matted uh, finish. Yeah, so the Buckos have them, and they're like uh, it's supposed to not get as hot, I guess, because they're black. Just, just yeah. Oh, we'll we'll uh, I'll we'll I'll show it. We'll post it in our Slack channel so you can see them. <laughs> yes, I'd like my ice cream sundae in the chrome uh, helmet, please. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, really quickly, um, there was some news that came out about an hour or two ago, and we just wanted to touch on this quickly because I, I like. I don't want to get too upset or uh, over the top about it, but the Blackhawks extended Reese Johnson for two more years at $800,000. It's fine. Like I, I don't, um, 
I don't have any strong feelings about this. Like I, I don't think that Reese Johnson is the type of player that you want to have like a long-term commitment to. So, and a two-year contract isn't really that elaborate, but it's just more of like, I hope this is not indicative of the type of player that they're going to be seeking out in like in free agency and stuff. Like all these, yeah. All the, all, <laughs> all the, the, the comments from Kyle Davids about him, you know, having a good work ethic and being tough to play against and all this stuff. I'm like, but he like, is he good at hockey? Like, I feel like that's not good to hard to play against. They roll over him. And I mean, come on, just, I, I still maintain that they've done him a disservice not letting him play in the AHL a little bit more um, because the difference between how he's pl- still playing right now versus how at least Hardman has tweaked his game are like night and day. Just so, to be completely honest, I think this is a cost control your assets move. I also think it's a you need how to much, have, how much more? Have body, you know, like, you know, the bodies and <laughs> I mean, I like stinks, how, but they did this shit with John Hayden too. Yeah, that, see, and that's why, like, like I'm not. I, the thing I was going to say though is like, how much more money is he possibly going to get? But to to Betsy's point, like, they do have to have bodies for an NHL and AHL team for the next few seasons, regardless of how many games they win or don't win. So it's just, I suppose, it's fine. I, I I'm not gonna. Uh, if, if he ends it's up just, in, go ahead, Chase. He's just worse, Brandon Mansion. Oh, Mansion! Like <laughs> the fact that, the, and the fact that uh, that uh, Davidson is is repeating. Who was was it? Colleton who kept saying we, we want to be hard to hard to play against. So it turned yeah. out that, that was like, oh, we want to lose. Yeah, was it him or King? One of them. Like it's bad language in the first place. One of them. Both are not good coaches. Both should be fired. Uh, <laughs> like I know there's nine games left. Let fucking. Let like let Jonathan Jay as player coach, or let like Davidson run the coach the team himself. See if see if he can do that. But like, they check the boxes of hard to watch and hard to write about, but not hard to play against. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is. is not this is there not a is. fun thing. Play being hard to play against means most times not fun to or watch. Or being hard to play against, and, like unless you're Barry you're Trotz, fucking good. Not, <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like hard, uh, hard to play against is a shitty way of saying that he's not very good at hockey. Like, I feel like they never say that about like an Austin Matthews, Alex to or Alex to or, or if you want to go to a player that's supposed to be like defense forward, you would never say that about Marcus Kruger. You or know, did, Marcus Kruger was Connor Murphy. Yeah. But, but like, and those guys are extremely hard to play against, but you have other adjectives, you know, to like, you know, good. And <laughs> you know, like Useful. Marcus Kruger would flip the ice. Productive. He would. He would get. Yeah. He would Useful. take a defensive zone draw and return the puck into the other end of this ice. Yeah. And like I just played meaningful hockey. I don't has purpose. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I don't like. I don't want to pile on too much because he's a nice guy. Yeah, we well, we, it's not, we assume Reece. he's a nice. It's nothing personal. It's we, not Reese. Yeah, we have the problem with it's it's bringing in those types of players and and pumping their tires when you're not doing yeah. anything productive. And then not the developing the potential in them because I think Reese Johnson could be something useful. It's just they've thrown him into the deep end and not tweaked like not focused him in a way like he's gotten I think slightly worse in terms of like taking himself out of the play, if you like the last game, Oh my God. But I will say <laughs> the game that he was with Tyler Johnson, I think Tyler Johnson actually dragged him down, which I was 
sad to see. But either way. Not, uh, not a good year for the Johnson. I almost said siblings, but they're not related at all. No. <laughs> but it's just the, the, only, the only caveat that I will uh, offer him, uh, offer Reese Johnson and pretty much everyone on the Blackhawks is, uh, I, I'm not really convinced that they've had any good coaches in their tenure in Chicago. So I would be interested to see what would happen if they were playing within a system and just an overall organizational structure that was better than what they've had so far. I'm not yeah. optimistic about Reese Johnson or, or several other people, but. Um, I give him a chance under another coach. Yeah. They're, and, they're, and there's no reason not to, because like, it's not like they're going to be cup contenders all of a sudden next October. So might as well yeah. see what you got. Um, and you know, honestly, if, if they, if he goes to training camp and somebody beats him out and he ends up in the AHL, like, you know, whatever, that's fine. That That's kind of what you want to happen because you want players to win jobs as opposed to just having them handed to them because of their you contract just gotta, status. You just got to hope whoever's given the jobs out knows how to actually evaluate for them. Yeah. Well, and, and then even right. just like not, yeah. not only the coach, but just like the organizational ability to self-scout would also be a, a nice thing to have. Um, so that you don't trade away, like, you know, Lucas Carlson and Gustav Forsling, who are each seeing plenty of minutes for maybe the best team in the NHL right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, as long as, uh, as long as I was going to call him Messenger, as long as Reese Johnson, Johnson doesn't uh, steal minutes away from a top tier prospect in the AHL as well. Yeah, there's that. Although, I mean. At the, I don't know what prospect they have in the AHL that he could take minutes from because Lucas Reichel is going to be in the NHL next year. And uh, I, I, I don't know who else there even is after that. Um, Evan, so that. <laughs> Evan Barrett. I saw and Landon Slaggart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, and I think he, isn't he going back to South Bend for another year? I would assume he goes back to school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this was all very uplifting. Okay. So we're we're gonna t- we're we're gonna take a quick time out and pr- probably find some other uplifting things to talk about, or maybe not at all. But come back from the other side of this break for that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, we do, we do have some more things to discuss that might even borderline on some uplifting stuff. And it's basically just trying to find something to pick out of the last few weeks of games. Uh, They haven't been good because the Hawks just keep losing them all, but there has been a few little bright spots here and there. And I guess the the main one we want to come back, we can start with a little bit is Taylor Radish, who was acquired in the massive Brandon Hagel trade. And I feel like has already at like at minimum is like playing as well as Brandon Hagel would have in Chicago. And there's also two first round picks on top of that. Yeah, they're late first round picks. We understand, but there's there's two other possible prospects. So all in all, seems like a pretty good trade for the Hawks. And if Tampa wins the cup, it's a pretty good trade for them. So like, I feel like I don't need to sit here and pick a winner of that trade because if it benefits both teams, that's kind of like how that's supposed to work. Um, but anyway, uh, Taylor Radish has been playing pretty well. Uh, I, I think he has been. Uh, a pleasant surprise since he got to Chicago. I think the biggest difference for him is he was averaging like 11 minutes. He was averaging 11.03 of ice time in Tampa this season and uh, in 53 games. This season, he's played 12 games with the Hawks and he's averaging 15.48. So obviously a more expanded role in Chicago and he's playing a lot better. And I can't remember who was the most in our little uh, brief production meeting we just had for 30 seconds. I can't remember who was talking the most about Taylor Radish. So whoever wants to start, jumping in on that conversation have at it 
I think Shay could have should. Shay, Shay, go right ahead. Get there. Okay. We're we're gonna talk about uplifting stuff for <laughs> two minutes. Yeah. Taylor Radish is actually really good, and like he 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 generated the most opportunity against the Kings in a really bad game. Like I'd argue that he's one of like three players maybe who looked good. It was him, Phil Kurishev, and maybe Colin Delia because Delia wasn't to blame for like really any of the goals. Um. So like yeah, he's he's playing well. He looks what he looks good. Like the 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 Taves line was the only good line in that game, and that the the Taves line of for Kurishev, Taves, and and. Uh, Reddish and they only played two minutes together, but they should get much more sample size down the down the road. Um, yeah, like he's gonna be. I feel like a, a like a, a ill fated omen uh, that I'm gonna do this comparison. But I'm doing this comparison. He's like Vinny Henestrosa was last season. Oh like down come the stretch, on, down the stretch, Vinny Henestrosa was like really freaking good for this team. Oh. Uh, and and like hopefully instead of losing Vinny Henestrosa, which is which is again like a mistake or, or like inarguably a mistake at this point. Uh, I, I think Radish, I think like, you're underselling the offensive ability of Radish a little. I feel I like think he, you're forgetting got, how good Vinny Hinnestrosa was when he came to this team last year, though. He's like he like his numbers were like I think career highs for him. Like oh, well, those career highs weren't very high. No, but like yeah, uh, the the people who who said like John Cooper was high on Radish and he just wanted, he couldn't find a spot in him for the in the lineup because the Lightning are just the Lightning. Uh, that makes sense now because like it, like looking yeah. at this guy, it's like yeah, you'd be a top six forward on like a good amount of teams in this league, um, including maybe some have, good ones. Hinnestros did have twelve points cool. in seventeen games, and Radish has. Uh, seven, seven and twelve for the Hawks. So, yeah. I guess production-wise, your your numbers are not far off. So, I'll, I'll yeah. Look at I. <laughs> if he, yeah, I'm right. <laughs> I'm right. Okay. I'm right. All I right. All I right. Fine. I, I think too with Taylor Radish. Like I, a lot of people love to talk about size in the NHL, but like we have plenty of people we see on a nightly basis get bowled over, like Kirby Doc, who's like a giant and can't stand up. But Taylor Reddish is 6'3", about 200 pounds. He's pretty good size, but he can skate. Like, he can move. He's not the fastest. He's not as fast as Hagel, but he can move pretty well. Yeah, so. I, I think that's the, every every time the, the Hawks get anybody, it's my, my first question anymore is, can he skate? And if, if the answer is yes, th- then I'm willing to listen. Because uh, outside of that, like, uh, that's the number one trait I want out of anybody who's on the Blackhawks is the ability to skate. Because it feels like... Every team on every player can skate, except for like, I don't know, like Racco Gudis, but everyone else in the NHL can skate, it seems. Well, like, and I wasn't taking a stab at Doc, like, to be a shithead. I just meant, like, when he got drafted, it was about, like, oh, look how big he is for, mm-hmm. you know, gets laugh type guy or whatever the hell. And it's like, yeah, but he doesn't play like that. Yeah, we, we can do our full on Kirby Doc episode. In, in the off season, we'll have plenty of time to to dive into that whole situation. Also, Ryan gets left retiring makes me feel older than hell. <laughs> I just I've enjoyed seeing all the pictures of Ryan gets from draft day with a full head of hair and be like, yeah, I know that feeling. Um, Betsy, what about you? Do you have any Taylor Radish thoughts to add in? Well, I think I was the only person that was like when the trade happened that was like, oh, I'm actually interested in seeing because it's not just because Radish had been a he'd been a top prospect for a while. And then his name just, you know, because he wasn't getting in the lineup, people's the shine wore off. And I was like, no, actually, I mean, uh, that last season in the AHL when he was with the crunch, um, was really good. And so I remember being like, it's really weird that he can't get up there. I don't think he's just an AHL player. I don't think he's, 
you know, like a Brandon Peary or anything like that. He seems to have the IQ to play in the NHL. And I'm glad to see him getting an opportunity. I do need King to stop like taking him away from the top six um, because he had instant chemistry with Taves. He showed chemistry, obviously, with Debrinka and Strom in the past, but also that one game they played, that was the best line. And then he showed chemistry with Kane in this last game, too. So when a guy can connect with the other, the only other quality players, like known quality players on a team, I think he's doing well, you know? like, yeah. And I think that's what made Brendan Hagel work with the Hawks, too, is because he he also connected with those types of players. He could, he complimented them, even if he wasn't necessarily at their skill level. So. Yeah. I I think that is the encouraging thing is like, you talked about the chemistry he has with other good players because um, I mean, this team, like they're, they're certainly hurting for top six talent. uh, And if any, any other additions to that is uh, that's the shortest path back to them not being so terrible, but also like, it's the, the same thing applies to Taylor Radish that I said earlier with everyone else. Like it, it, other thing, it's really hard to evaluate any of the players right now, because when you're in the middle of a seven, eight game losing streak, everything sucks. Uh, not, the results are going to be awful. It's just, it's, it's a team wide malaise and it's hard to get a good read on just about anybody because of how poor things have been. So um, hopefully they don't lose the other nine games for the rest of the season. And maybe we can see some things get, get a better read on some of these players like Taylor Radish, but it's almost like the fact that he's been, that he stood out this much while the team results have been so terrible. That's almost a better sign than anything else that he's a, he's been a bright spot among so much else and that maybe if they actually start winning games, he'll be an even bigger piece of that, which uh, is a good thing for everyone involved. Um, so we're in, it sounds like we're in pretty unanimous, positive, uh, reactions to this. So I'm going to go on the total end of the spectrum here now, because one, there've been two players that have been a source for plenty of debates on all over whatever Blackhawks Twitter account you follow. They've happened in our comment sections at the, at secondcityhockey.com. And those two guys are Caleb Jones and Riley Stillman. And I, um, again, same principle applies. Maybe they'll be better with better coaching, but there's just, there's little things that happen with each player. I Betsy mentioned something with Caleb Jones and I'm going to let her talk in a second about that one. I just want to start with Riley Stillman. And I feel like I might've seen a hint of progress because uh, one of the big gripes that we've all had about him is that he will sometimes chase a hit. He'll skate out of position to, to light somebody up. And like, there's been two or three times where he's tried to Cronwall somebody up the boards and yeah, he makes the hit. It's really cool and all, but the puck goes past him for like a potential odd man to rush the other way. On Tuesday night, he stepped up on somebody and I don't know if it was unintentional or not, but it looked like he went in the stick first and made contact with the puck to break up a possible chip behind him. And then he knocked the guy into the third row. So maybe that's a sign of progress that he's not just going in to destroy uh, someone's soul with a big hit. He's also like, making a good hockey play by getting his stick on the puck. So there's, there's your, your dose of optimism on Riley Stillman. That's all I got for you. Oh yeah. That's where I was going to Betsy, your, your Caleb Jones point that you wanted to make. Well, I was just, there were a lot of people talking about how many times he deflects pucks into the net. And somebody in the comments was like, 
well, that's just unlucky. And I was like, it's not. He's got bad positioning when he's like facing a shooter all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uh, can he you doesn't can know you, how to shot block correctly? Can you? All right. So what what is it that he does wrong? Because I think there is a. I mean, he's always angled incorrectly, for example, like he's just never angled properly. And it's part of why things are like blocking into him or he's not ever right in front of a shooter. He's not ever square. Um, And then, you know, when they go down to block and they go to the side a little bit, he never I don't think his instincts are correct because he doesn't do it in a quick enough time. Like there's like a time there's like a like a timing that, that defenders have to get down or when you get to that position, you're just going to be like a board, a backboard, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Same thing with his stick. You know how they say, always keep your stick on the ice. Why is his stick always angled directly into (laughs) like every single time? It's never flat. It's never forward. Always like angled backwards. He's like a backboard. Um, He's like the Joe Pavelski of scoring on his own people. And uh, Seabrook would do it occasionally, you know, like, you know, like it was one of those things, like if Seabrook didn't have his stick the right way, he would he would bounce it into the thing. But it's so frustrating to watch because you can see him not where his shoulders are the wrong uh, angle um, every time. Like the, the difference between him and, say, DeHaan, who's an excellent shot blocker, um, just watch them on whenever they're squaring up to a shooter is what okay. I would say. I feel so, like I want to add one thing, too. Because when he's going, if somebody's like short side, for example, he like hesitates, like almost like he doesn't know, like he like stutters. And it's like when you'd watch somebody like Keith, he knew like, bam, okay, I got to move like this. Like Betsy's 100% correct. He just doesn't know how to square up the right way. And some of it is like, again, I think part of my frustration with the Blackhawks right now is that they have players that could have potential. Um, Because I think Seth Jones is pretty athletic. Um, He skates well. I he's got good. He's got better offensive instincts than like many of the other guys, and I think that could be honed. But they have been doing him again a disservice playing him, and not like they they have to not be like how could they not be correcting that. but then letting him keep playing that way because he's had the sh- longest leash out of any of the like younger guys, even like even over Gus. And I think arguably for a while there, Caleb was worse than Gustin and then Gustin turned back into a pumpkin. But for a little <laughs> while there, Caleb was the worst defender on the team. And I, it was pretty and that that includes like Jake McCabe not being great and all that other stuff. So I, he's young-ish. He's going to be 25 soon, so it's not like he's outside the po- the realm of possibility of him getting better. It's just I don't think that they've done a very good job coaching him, and part of that was allowing him to continue to do these bad things over and over again with no real consequence for a very long time. And see, and this this gets into a bigger like philosoph a sports f- philosophical debate because the the comments that came from the Hawks after the game Tuesday night of like, Oh, like, you know, they're tired. They're mentally fatigued. It's late in the season. And uh, you know, they're, they're also mentally fatigued from all the losses that are piling up and, and all these things. And I'm just like, I feel like I want to go full Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like no one gives a shit when the fucking game, like at some point you had like your professional athletes, you're playing in the NHL, like just win the damn game. All these other caveats are, fi- are fine, but, 
just win. No one, no one's going to care. No one's going to feel bad for you. Your opponents certainly aren't going to feel bad for you because you've been losing for the last three weeks. So just play better. And uh, so when you hear all these comments come out after games, that leads me to believe like, like, like the coaching staff is also like resigned to this fate. So they're not doing the little things that will turn those results in the opposite direction. Like maybe teaching defensemen how to properly score up for shots or like uh, properly breaking the puck out of their own end or just, just all these little things that they're not doing instead, instead of like trying to fix those things. They're just saying, well, you know, it's I, tough. <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, we've heard, like we've talked about getting a new coach and, and Betsy and Shay have both been pretty like on it about fixing the young guys. And I, I agree with that, but I also think guys like Seth Jones will benefit from having yes. a, a coach who's not a nobody because then they can <laughs> say, Hey motherfucker, I don't care if you're 27 and you're making a billion dollars. You're going to listen to me. Whereas like, who's going to listen to Derek King? Like, it's yeah. not the same as like, it's like when, when uh, uh, I, I use the example a lot with Madonna, when they got uh what's his name, the old blues coach uh, in Dallas. In 90- um, Thank you. Yeah. In 99, he came in and he goes, I don't care how good you are in the offensive zone. You're going to play two ways and then we'll win a cup. And they did. Yeah. I, uh, it, it, <laughs> I feel like we end up back on this topic a lot, but just uh, would love to see what some of these guys look like with, uh, with, a really good coach. I mean, like for the Seth Jones example, I mean, John Tortorella obviously has some questionable tactics yeah. uh, or, or like, like uh, just questionable actions as a coach, maybe a little bit more of a, a hot, a hothead that anybody would want behind the bench. But, you know, he does have some hockey philosophies that work. And when he was coaching Seth Jones, Seth Jones played like the best postseason series of his life against Tampa that one year. So yeah, well, Keith so had some that. down years, and Q got him back on track every yeah. time. Yeah, like there's, like I, I think sometimes coaching can get mildly overrated in hockey because it's you know, it it is debatable what coaches how much of an impact coaches can make, but I think uh, there's also um, I think it's more likely that coaches can ruin players than like make them be stars. I guess yeah. is the, yeah. how I would describe. It. Like they, coaches have a lower, it's a lower floor than necessarily a higher ceiling. Yes. Well, I was gonna even if it's not the head coaches part, isn't don't they have like skills coaches that they work with regularly? And, yeah, like, and like in the assistant coaches and they do, but a lot of these head coaches are defensive minded guys. Like he was a defenseman, mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess it just depends on your coach, really. I I feel like like. Q at least knew like there were certain players that he was like, I'm not going to get the absolute best defense out of them. Say a Letty. I'm going to put him in a position where. Yeah. He he shelters him. Yeah. But in an optimizes is even better because he's sheltered, but he's also put in a position to be very successful with his skill set. Of course. Um, Same thing with like Kane and stuff like that. And I, Caleb, Caleb Jones is a perfect example. He's better when he's in that role too. Um, the but problem is they the have problem, to do that with like four guys. Yes, exactly. I was just like with the <laughs> with the younger guys. Like I pointed out, I was like I was glad to see that Vlasic and um, Gula both played more than Caleb, not by much, but you know it was at least the first time in a while that that King didn't you know do the whole. But there is the vet, you know, because uh, Vlasic still looks green. Obviously, he had a couple mis like he had at least one major mistake, but he looked better. <laughs> you know and it might just be that because he's fresh but and he's 20 so you know that's great to see and then I think 
Uh, Regula has looked great. Honest, honestly, I don't, somebody said he might have top four or top pairing potential. I'm not sure if I'd go that far, but I've liked him a lot um, in his NHL games. He's played better in the NHL than I think even in the AHL other than a couple of goals he's had recently. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I with Regula, like the, only, the main play I remember is one where he got, he got, Beat to the got caught flat footed a little bit and got beat to the outside and ended up taking a penalty near the end of the game. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like that's doing him a bit of a disservice because I'm sure he may had you know he played 15 16 minutes so remembering a 15 second clip is probably not fair to him. But he played he had one good move where he beat somebody in the corner and instead of going in hard and hitting him he knocked the puck out with his stick did a quick turn so his body was against the guy and he's pretty big and then got the puck out. And that type of puck retrieval is so much more like it was just a smarter way to do it because even though he is a big guy, he doesn't know the the physicality of the NHL as well. So I don't know those like little things like that, where I see uh, the smarts of a, a hockey player, not necessarily like does he, is he like f- a full finished product yet? I like those mm. glimpses more than I do even just like, is he a great skater or does he have good, you know, cause like I said, Caleb Jones has potential, but sometimes he makes like really dumb mistakes. And well, Betsy, I think what you said about Caleb positioning wise, it's like the opposite for Regula. Like instinctually he is very fundamentally sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I wonder, I like, I, I just wonder like development paths for some players um, and like not rushing them. I don't want them to rush Regula. Like I, Again, he's pretty young too. I think he just turned 20, 21 or is about to turn 22. Um, so I just, and he was injured a lot through the AHL season. So I want the Blackhawks to invest in their players in terms of development and making sure that their path yeah. is the correct one. But at the same time, notice that some of some of their other guys are just like bad and maybe shorten their leash a little. Regula's R- 21 years old, by I, the way. I, yeah. I, I think I just want to throw out one more thought on this. Uh, a lot of these players were the best player they've on any teams they've played on up until they get to that kind of pro level. So if they were you know skipped over something, Seth Jones is a good example of this. Fundamental-wise, they out their athleticism outplayed it. Mm-hmm. But then if you don't fix that at the pro level, you're going to get shit on because these are the best players in the world. So, yeah. So, well, uh, I think this was a Dan O'Charo. Somebody was talking about this and and this another thing that I picked up and I thought it was really good. And I wish I remembered who it was that said it because it's uh, I I, I can give them the credit for it. But it was some former NHL player that was a really good defenseman. I feel like it was Char, but he talked about how like every day at practice he would have a coach like dump the puck in the corner and he would skate to the corner and, you know, and retrieve it and, and break it out. And they, he did that like dozens and dozens of times at every practice because you do that dozens and dozens of times every game, pretty much like the, the way to be a good NHL defenseman is, is it's kind of boring, honestly, uh, especially like more on the defensive side of the game, but it's just having the ability to go retrieve the puck and get it to your teammate and get it out of your end without turning it over. It's not fashionable. It's not really the most exciting type of hockey play. But if you can do that at an incredibly high rate without giving the puck away, that is how you become a very, very good NHL player. So it's it's something that uh, you know, guys who are in their late teens and early 20s that are first coming to the NHL probably haven't done it enough to have it all 
to have all their uh, mistakes eliminated. So that's where Betsy was talking about, you know, maybe hoping for a little bit of a longer term trajectory on guys like Regulo. Just get them, get them familiar with, you know, turning around, retrieving the puck, breaking it out, turning around and just over and over and over. It's boring. It's not exciting, but if you do that well enough for long enough, you end up at the NHL level uh, on a really good team. So and I mean, I'm trying to think if there was anyone else that we wanted to talk about, but I, I think we, we've hit all the hit all the big names. Anybody? Any other burning thoughts on any of the players right now? Yeah. The, the, uh, go so, ahead, Jack. Uh, so the black thing about the Blackhawks, like not developing a defenseman, like that's that's. I feel like this is just a, a big overarching thought. Derek King keeps saying like we don't have the talent of the players to like compete at this level. It, it, he, and he said that a lot after losses. He, he said that after they lost to either Florida or Tampa or both. Yeah. It, it doesn't help that you don't coach them because the Blackhawks <laughs> haven't coached and improved a player in a long time. Like look at, look at all the, look at all the players on the Blackhawks roster and think about how many of them have in, have actually improved in their Blackhawks tenure. Yeah, maybe and, Dylan Strom, maybe. Yeah. And that's not because of the coaching at yeah. all. Well, and that's, uh, and, and to your point, it's also like, like, like everyone brings up the Philip Deneau trade and that, that wasn't the case of them like giving up on a prospect. That was more of thinking they were adding for help for the playoffs and it didn't work out that way. But uh, the two players got mentioned earlier, Gustav Forsling and Lucas Carlson. Those were not like traded away for hockey moves. They were like kind of just thrown into a deal, like kind of gave up on those prospects. They're each skating like between 15 and 20 minutes a night in Florida for a team that I at one point had the best record in the league. So yeah, like they're not even, they're not self-scouting very well either. So yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I, as soon as you, you started talking, like, I feel like I knew where you were going and, uh, and I'm trying to think of other names that are in that. Uh, kind of crazy because Carlson especially was one of the guys that stayed in the AHL for so long because they did, they kept bringing in, not good players to play a Manning or uh fucking Zadorov, you know, like <laughs> above him. Um, yeah. Who another player that is being very useful in Calgary for what he, you know, like he's got a role there, and it's like, see, he could be useful even if he's yeah. not great. If, uh, if that's if that's not the biggest, the most damning evidence of the last five years of the Blackhawks is that all these players that they got rid of that are going to other teams and playing better and producing more. Yeah, because like, what 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 more of an indictment do you need? It used to be the whole, you know, well, the free Morans and the free periods, you know, that kind of thing. And it was like, yeah, they did a good job of not caring about those players, but yeah. that has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the opposite end of the spectrum now. Like all these guys that they're uh, giving up on. Uh, I mean, God, you you could even I, I almost said Tavo Teravinen again, but that's a, every time I I've watched Lucas Reichel. Like, I don't think it's necessarily the best comp, but I feel like it reminds me of in Tavo's first season, his first handful of games. Like you, you could tell, like you could see glimpses of talent, but he wasn't quite putting it together in the points. Nothing was really coming. Yeah. Lucas Reichel, like should have had at least two goals, if not three in well, Tuesday night's game and just got stoned by the goalie every time. I mean, Tara Vinen was on a bridge deal despite yeah. how great he was. And he took a, like a low cap hit bridge deal because 
the even though the skill was there, the points weren't there. And now, you know, look at him now. Obviously, the last few seasons, yeah. awesome. So yeah, if Lucas Reichel turns into the next table of terrifying, that'd be that'd be pretty. Or even like seventy five percent of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's let's end this on a more uh, uh, a more fun note. So if uh, again, as the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet, uh, wanted to dive into this is a, a thing that started a week or two. It was last week on Twitter where there were people were posting cancelable takes and, and now it is, it has taken on, it's gotten to the point now where I think I've muted that phrase because it's gotten really annoying. We were going to do this last week, but uh, we got sidetracked with all the other stuff that we were discussing. So let's bring it here. The, the, the idea was your most cancelable food take. And I've got the original Twitter thread that started all this nonsense. And I'm just going to start scrolling through these. If uh, the three of you have any, your most cancelable food take, uh, and would like to lay it on the table. I think I said a couple, uh, couple weeks or months ago that I thought avocado was overrated, and I think that might be the most, uh, the the worst one for me. But some of the other examples that you're seeing on this list as I'm scrolling through here, and I'm trying to find some of the recent ones are pretty trash, but some of the original ones, like there's a person in here claiming that bacon and ice cream are overrated. Those are two uh, two things that are both wrong. Um, yeah. Pineapple does belong on pizza. I, that that was uh, that, that one's too played out. I, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about it. Yeah. All right. This is one that I thought. Uh, I, I uh, pears are just awful apples, and I fervently disagree with that. I feel like pears are wildly underrated as a fruit. <laughs> There's a good. There is such a good uh, such a thing as a good pear. Pears are better cooked than they are. Wait, cooked? Yeah, like pear, like, like in a cobbler or something. Yeah. Oh, I think okay. they, they do better in like dessert. I like pie. I like pies that have fruit and pear, pears and pies is pretty good. Also, as like um, additions to food, like if you need like a like a cool kind yeah, of yeah, like so, like a texture in a salad. Yeah. Man, I I just I, I don't think I've ever had a pear other than like at room temperature. <laughs> I, I I don't think I've had it. I don't think I've ever had a pear flavored thing. It has always just been pears. And I think again, wildly underrated. Uh, the pear Red Bull kicked ass. Oh. And like pear jelly beans are fantastic. Oh, uh, this one mint and chocolate don't belong together. Yeah, fuck that, that is a false. Hey, that's there. absolutely okay. Thank you, because uh, because if you've never had uh, thin mint Girl Scout cookies, oh yes, my god! Yes, but also my favorite ice cream flavor is mint, mint chocolate chip. Absolutely, mint chocolate chip's really good uh, when they make it like in a cone where it's like a chocolate cone. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's oh, very man. delicious. You know, that's why I needed to get warm because uh, uh, ice cream shops I feel like really take off in the summer. And, oh my gosh, Brewsters right now! I got like a literally a mint, a mint chocolate chip ice cream cone oh. the other day. I got a regular, and I was like, "This is ginormous!" And then I got a small, and it was the same size. I was like, "Do you guys just give the same size over and over again?" And they were like, eh. We just scoop until it's good. You know, like it's a certain scoop level, but sometimes their scoops are bigger. And I'm like, okay, this is so much ice cream, but I ate it all. All right. Two very, two very, uh, two words, quick and to the point. Fuck onions. I feel like that's a little unnecessary. I I feel like uncalled for. I I feel like like that's ignorant because people don't know how much shit onions are in. That's true. onion, Onion flavor. Great. Certain onion textures. Don't like it. Caramelized onions on. Well, about to go ahead before we. Also, you can you can have minor onion allergies. 
um, yeah. the way that wow. you re- I mean, everybody has their eyes water, but some people have that react more, the more raw an onion, but also I don't like the texture of certain, like even cooked in things when you're biting into it. I don't. So I, I, I don't like sometimes when you bite into it raw, if it stays in your mouth after like a purple one, yeah. but I still, I, but you, I still eat them. Are you eating onions like an apple? Well, no, no, no. Like, if well, you, like, you get, like, a burger, that's, like yeah. on a sandwich, if it's like a really big slice, or like a taco. Okay, but I do eat raw and cooked onions. I keep yellow, red, and white at my I house at all times. Car- I love caramelized them. onions on like any sort oh, of patty melt stadium. Oh, mm-hmm. Patty melts or I hot dogs like- or sausages. Oh my god, I can eat them by themselves. If it makes you feel like I don't like cooked, um, like bell pepper. I love eating raw or like only semi cooked, like bell peppers of any kind red yellow orange green whatever but the minute they get cooked and you put them in and that's a big thing in southern food yeah i cook that all the time okay opposite i am with garlic powder and spice yeah do not give me a raw pepper but like honestly vegetables to me are all better cooked I like them both because I'm probably my Eastern European blood and that's all we have in the village. If they're small enough, if they're cut small enough, then, or they're with a bunch of other like slightly mushy stuff like a gumbo, then yeah. But no, I will, my mom makes fun of me when I like get gravy and I'm like dipping it in just the spoon, just enough that the liquid gets in and none of the like onions or bell pepper. And I'm like, whatever. Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) The flavor's already there. (laughs) <laughs> do do any of you have any anything to add to this conversation any uh to this topic i should say like cancelable food a- takes? any cancelable food takes uh it's like we've gotten so far into the like the hot takes like the like you said the pineapple on pizza it's like shit's not even fun to yell about anymore yeah uh like yeah like the hot dog is a sandwiching it's more of a meme than a serious conversation these days um I'm a per- I'm I'm still a person who believes that all food in the right context is good. Yeah. If you found like if you if you found like the the like even the worst foods in, on earth, even like durian, you, well not durian, durian's actually very good, it just smells bad. Uh like even like the worst foods on earth, uh if you find the right context for them, they're still good. I yeah. think my take is that people and especially in uh, like Western culture, their taste buds have been shot by fast food. Yeah, and so We're people are to salt and sugar in this country. Exactly, mm. and so many people are afraid to try new stuff, or because they didn't like it when they were younger, and their taste buds changed, and they didn't know yet. And it's just like home cooking is a remedy for that. You got to start learning how to cook. Yeah, that 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 should be just be the main uh, the main lesson here is uh, do some like start cooking for yourself at home. And you will learn how to make, uh, I feel like you'll learn like, you'll learn ways to make food taste good without just like dumping a bunch of salt and sugar in it. Like if anything you buy, I, I don't cook with salt or sugar at buy. all. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I can't say. Learn like, you, about acids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There yeah, you go. It's like save the taco bell for the hangover. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that. That is a, a a methodology I can get behind entirely. The five dollar box, baby. Look, if you have, I feel like if you have Taco Bell before midnight, you you've done something wrong. Like there's there's just there's certain food options that are only there for convenience, and the main two are Taco Bell and White Castle. Yeah, it's it's after a show. Yeah, it's after a show. 
uh, and you just you you need something, and they're the only two places open. I'm actually a little the fact that like McDonald's and Burger King and some of them are like trying to cut into the 24 hours game. Like, no, fuck that. It's Taco Bell and White Castle, and that is it. These are the acceptable late night. Every time after a show, shake down here. Right, well, yeah, but saying shake like like the drive through, I feel like takes forever, and sometimes you don't want to be like out in pub. You don't want to walk inside and sit down. You just want to drive through real quick and, and get your get your meals and go. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Taco Bell is hangover food only. That's the uh, that's the main lesson here. And if you're feeling fancy and there's a Denny's around, then you're in business. What the fuck is up, Denny's? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want to play in a Denny's so bad, so I could say that. Please do. I'll, I'll come watch. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Shepard is on Twitter at Shepard Price. Mill is at Mill182. I'm at DML57. Betsy's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. I believe Betsy's out of town next week. We may not have a show next week. Uh, We'll see. Uh, because there's like a zillion Hawks games for the next two and a half weeks, and then they're done. Um, So maybe we'll record one, just three of us. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We're just kind of winging it at this point uh, because, well, you you see this team. So, um, but, but thanks, to, thanks to everyone for hanging out. Thanks to you for listening to this episode. And uh, we'll talk to you sometime in the future again. 